Welcome to another episode of Confiding Confidently, a place where comforting and convicting truths on faith, marriage, and motherhood are discussed. I'm your host, Stephanie Holbrook. Let's jump in. Hey, ladies. I am so excited to have this special guest on the podcast today. This is my sister from another mister and mother. (laughs) She is my sister in Christ, one of my fave girls. Um, Her name is Emily Poe Davis, and she is absolutely wonderful, and if I ever get anywhere, she is going to be my bodyguard, because she will just straight up choke hold you, I ain't even worried about nothing, and so we're going to talk about all the things, and hopefully you don't get offended, because if you do, there's nothing you can do about it, (laughs) so I'm going to go ahead and introduce you in, Emily, thank you so much for being on today. Yes, girl, I am so excited I'm so excited you're here. All right, so let's just jump in. Just tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about um, just your childhood and the moment when you realized, okay, I need me some Jesus. Okay, so I was born and raised in Selma, like Selma bred girl. I'm talking went to Dallas County, did all the things that you do when you live in Selma, Alabama. Did bonfires, all the goods. I had a great childhood. My mom and dad were bomb.com. We were brought up in church. And so I don't remember like, quote unquote, a life without Christ um, because he was just so prevalent in our home. And, um, so I don't have like a date that I just like completely said, okay, I'm going to make Lord, you know, Jesus Christ, my Lord. But I always just remember as a young age, wanting to serve God, always wanting to please him. And I think as I've got older, I realized that, um, I no longer did it out of, because this was what was good and right, but I did it out of relationship because he became real to me. And so when he became real to me, I actually, that's when the relationship, um, began. And also when I learned about grace, cause I was brought up very legalistic. So follow the rules, follow the rules. And I was good at following the rules. Um, well not good at it. I knew how to follow the rules. I knew my do's and don'ts. Um, But when I learned about grace is when my actual relationship with the Lord started and it became fun. It wasn't just rules. It was an actual relationship that was fun that I wanted to be a part of. Okay. So you just said about the the legalistic thing. Okay. For some of our listeners who may not know exactly what the Christian faith, like those, you know, that Christianese, because I also, as you know, like I'm just now coming into being freed from the legalistic bonds that got placed on me. Um, And so just kind of elaborate what you mean when you say legalistic and grace. Let's talk about that just for a second. Well, legalistic, the way I was brought up is you had the do's and don'ts. Jesus liked this. He didn't like this. You could, in the way I was brought up, you could actually displease the Lord and make him angry with you. And it was based only by your actions. What you did affected Christ's reactions toward you. So if I was doing good as a quote unquote Christian, then Jesus loved me more and he would do things for me that were good. Uh, if I slipped and got attitudes or, you know, maybe said an ugly word here or there, or just did something that quote unquote Christians wouldn't do, then the Lord was displeased with me and he was angry with me and he would bring something bad into my life. Um, that's how I was brought up. But when I found out that he 
covered all of my sins, past, present, and future. That it was a one-time deal. That no matter what I did, I was his. That changed my life forever. Because I, I was constantly feeling like I was slipping through his fingertips. And I, I would have him, and then I wouldn't have him. I would please him, and then what I wouldn't please him. And so when I found out that I always please him is when I wanted to be near him. And, and it, I just love how you said, like, it was, it's, it almost feels like a roller co- coaster, right? Like, it's like, oh, I'm up at the top. Okay, I'm really close to God now because he's really satisfied with me. He's really happy with me. And then, like you said, you slip or you do something wrong, and it's like, okay, I've lost God's love. Right. And that's not biblical love. That's not grace. And, and that's what is just so beautiful is, it's like, I mean, it honestly really is like God is like our father. Like, no matter how, like, okay, we talked about this earlier, Emily. You know, my older girl, she done, she done screwed up her grades, all right? Does that make me love her any less? Absolutely not. Do I not like her right now? Oh, no, I don't really like her right now, but I still love her. And, and when she got out of the car, you know, I hugged her and told her I loved her before she went in. So even though, like, the love is not works-based, right? Right. Um, I think I, I got so wrapped up in me in this Christian journey that I totally forgot about what Christ did. And it had nothing to do with my actions. I am human. I will fail. I'm going to fail. It is just, it's my human nature is what's going to happen. But when I base everything on what Christ did on the cross and I take all the focus off of me, then it's not this pressure to just be perfect, but it's actually a loving relationship that you can just fall into and have so much security. in. because before I knew, like before when my focus was on me, I constantly failed me and I thought I constantly failed the Lord. But when i when I put it back where it was supposed to be on what Jesus did on the cross and that it was a done and finished deal and that, um, it was just done. Then it wasn't about what I did. It was all about what he has already done. Exactly. And, 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 and it's almost like, whereas before we were just, we were being obedient out of fear. Now it's, well, we're being obedient because we love him. We want to do that. We like, we want to please him. It's not a, oh my gosh, you're going to squash me like a bug if I don't do this right. But it's, oh, I want my daddy to be proud of me. I want my daddy to love this. You know, like, ooh, let me make this, color this picture. Like when our kids bring us a picture and we know, I mean, it ain't Picasso, right? Like they bring it to us. We don't go, oh, this is just not good enough. This is just, no, we're like, oh, thank you so much. We stick it on our refrigerator and everybody in the house looks at it. Like that is how it is with God. I don't doubt that. So, and it's funny that you said that. So now that you, you're experiencing grace and you're coming into grace and you're, you've embraced it and now you show it with your ministry, don't you? Yes, ma'am. Uh, we, are, me and Robbie are missionaries down in Foley, Alabama, and we work with a program uh, called Big Fish Ministry, and Isaac and Raina Stukesbury, they own the ministry. They're the one who came down to Foley and launched this ministry, and um, we actually got connected with this ministry fell in love with it. It is a recovery ministry. They do all kinds of recovery, drug, alcohol, but it's a recovery ministry. And y'all, y'all, we see people at their lowest of lows. We see them at rock bottom and that's where they need love the most. That's where we can come in. And, and Robbie's part is program director. He see, he, um, brings them into the program and, you know, checks them in, gives them their bed and stuff. And he, he helps counsel with them and guide with them and stuff like that. But I cook for them. And so I feed those bellies and 
I love these guys. I cook for about 25 to 30 guys, just depending on how many is in the program. And they become my boys. Like, you don't talk about my boys. Like, you, I mean, even when they do stupid things, I'm like, they are still my boys. And I will look at them and I'm like, you are so retarded. But come here, eat this cinnamon roll <laughs> and fill your belly and let me pet your head. <laughs> and so, yes, it is so cool just to to show grace to them when no one else, when everyone, and it's their fault. They know it's their fault. They've burned every bridge that they can. And to have someone come in and just love on them. And a lot of times their family's just so done with them that they're done loving on them too. And so you just get to be that to someone. And man, it's so humbling and just refreshing. And I love it. I just, that to me, like, you know, my dad, my dad and my, my mom, they both struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism. And so just to hear you say that, like, we just love on them. Like, is that not Christ? Like, that is just, that is Christ. When nobody else wants to love on them. When, and there's nothing, they're not giving you anything. There is nothing in return. It is just, that's grace. Yep. When there is nothing that anybody can give you in return and you just give them the love anyways. That is grace. Um when we don't deserve it and you give it anyways, that's grace. And that is so beautiful. Um, so I, like I've already said this, I've said it a million times and it makes you uncomfortable every time, but I swear you're like the Proverbs 31 woman, like running the house, homeschooling the kids, cooking the meals for all of the, the needy people. And then on top of that, you do jujitsu. And then on top of that, like you do braving people, like you do all the things. And then on top of that, now you're a foster parent, like, geez, girl. So tell me how, okay, how do you, how do you do all that? Like, honestly, how do you do that? Is that, is there like a secret? Is there a pill I need to take? Like, is there an exercise I need to do to be able to do? I mean, give me the secret. How are you able to do all of the things? Well, um, there's no secret to it. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Um, I think it's just your passions. I am passionate about all the things that you named. I am passionate about cooking for my boys. I am passionate about jujitsu. I love, like, they are my family there. Um, they, they, they're actually where I go to unwind. Uh, to actually choke someone actually makes me feel good. <laughs> me too, girl. Me too. But I do it to my husband, so I got to be careful because that's kind of illegal. No, I'm just kidding. I'll show you the right technique, yeah, and then it just yeah, be jujitsu. <laughs> But I mean, they're, they're a family there and, um, we do that a few days a week and, um, I, I, I love jujitsu. I love my family there. I love my friends there. That's where I go to unwind. Um, well, let me stop you. Okay. So yeah, I mean, go ahead and do, do a name drop. Where is the jujitsu at in case there's some other ladies that are like, I just need to choke somebody so I can unwind. <laughs> okay. It's in Foley, Alabama. It's Rufus Sports. Um, my coach is Tony Rayburn and she's not really my coach, but I claimed her as my coach. So she is yeah. my own coach. That's my, that's my mentor. <laughs> that's right. She is who I strive to be in this world. And, and it is, uh, Jody Morgan and her heart for just women jujitsu is amazing. It blows my mind. Um, and both of those two people are huge, huge, um, people that I look to up to in the jujitsu world. And so, um, but I do that and then I do Brave and Beautiful Mamas, which I've been doing that three years strong. And what's funny is you you ask how I do it and a lot of these ministries or things that I do um, selfishly, they pour into me more than I feel like I pour into them. And so like cooking for the guys, like that is something that I give, but inwardly the like 
I love those guys. Yeah. That's that's what I do. And you know, jujitsu it's where I where I go for stress relief, but I also am learning like a crazy skill. And brave and beautiful mamas, I pour out to these ladies at six thirty in the morning. Um, but then just to read comments of how their lives were changed because of the pouring out that we do, and man, it just fills you right back up. And so. Um, oh gosh, all these thoughts are just in my head. So like when you're when you're cooking, like I mean, I don't know for you, but like when you're cooking, like it's kind of like just your time with God. Like while you're working, you're praying over the food and praying for the men that are going to ingest the food to nourish their bodies. And then with the jujitsu, it's like, dear Lord, thank you for this body that you've given me with, with the ability to do this to these other people's bodies. <laughs> or with brave and beautiful mamas, like you have to study scripture before it so yeah i totally see how all those things pour back into us exactly they they pour in and i mean everything that i do even down to parenting and foster foster care like foster care like you you go in with the mindset of oh I'm going to rescue this little baby and I'm going to be you know the savior to this kid and get him out of this home and then when you get him in your home you realize that he is changing you I mean 100% my little two-year-old and I can't say his name but my little two-year-old that I have in this thing man he has showed me so much things about me that I love about me and also that I hate about me he's pulled things out of me that I'm like like, dang, I did not know this was there. When I mean, when you have to clean throw up up of another ki- another person's child that's not yours when you're doing the 2 a.m. wake up calls or 2 a.m. screams or you know changing that diarrhea diaper because mom has fed him 72 pieces of candy so she can win his love and then gives him back to you and he gets diarrhea the rest of the night when you have to be that to him and you you have to you go you have to fight back that resentment like come on mom you know but I shouldn't I should love them you know it just comes to my mind like doesn't God do that with us Like, he takes care of us and the world, and Satan just offers us all this crap candy, and we're just like, yeah, give it to me, and then we've got diarrhea diver. Exactly, exactly. Like, uh, like, it's amazing. I thought thought going into foster care, I was going to be like the, like, I am helping Mm -hmm. kids. Girl, they will change you. (laughs) Shoot, girl, I'll be with my own kids. God teaches me so much stuff through my two-year-old Margo. Like, her sassiness and everything. And then, like, when she's just being a brat, I'm like, uh, and then God's like, uh, that's that's you. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, really? (laughs) But, okay, so tell me about how homeschooling is going. Because I used to do the homeschooling, and then it just got too much. But... You, you are, you are doing the thing, girl. Yes. And I would love if my kids would allow to do it to the end. Like I would, I would love to finish this thing out with them. Um, I think I just have the heart of a teacher. Like, I mean, that's just in me. Okay. So tell us about the teacher thing. Like that before you started the homeschool, like you had a full on career. Like, you were a teacher. So, let's talk about that. Yes, I'll do another name drop. Christ the King, Cathedral Academy. Those, oh, my gosh, those people are my jam. They are, I worked there for seven years. They they are a huge, huge part of, one, why I teach, why I foster, um, how I know to hear the Lord's voice. I mean, they took in, like, first found Grace Emily and just, like, petted her and loved her and just showed her Christ through um, being my bosses and being my co-teachers and just standing beside me. So they, they really shaped me into who I am. And then I taught there for seven years. And um, when God called us to be missionaries, I was like, no, I have found my niche. This is 
what I'm created to do. I have kids, which I love. I'm teaching, which I love. I'm co, you know, co-teaching along like my best friends in the whole world. And then God's like, no, go here. And I'm like, no. And so um, when Rob, when God called us to be missionaries, I told Rob, I said, I don't want to give up teaching. And he's like, homeschool our kids. And I was like, oh, well, yes, says the Lord. <laughs> and so it just kind of came as a suggestion from my husband. And I was like, I can do that. And I'm not going to lie. That first year, I tried to be mama and be like teacher mama. Well, mama sucks as a teacher. <laughs> I had to change my hats and I became Miss Davis. And Miss Davis is a great teacher. Mama is not. So, I mean, we just had to do like the first year. I'm pretty sure Kara is scarred by the letter T because I was screaming. I'm like, it's T. It's the symbol of the cross. <laughs> so my first year, we don't talk about. We just sweep it under the rug. Girl, mine too. Me and Emery, we woke up every day and we cried. We cried every day the first year of kindergarten. Come find out she has ADHD and she's dyslexic. So no wonder. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh. I was just feeding her honey buns and, and red juice and all the red dye 40. I'm like, no wonder we're both struggling. Right. Yes. So once I changed hats and realized, you know, hey, I can't be mama. I have to be teacher. Girl, we rocked and rolled with that thing. And I now have my kids to a point where they know what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it. I am like routine maniac. Like I love a good routine. Um, I can change, but I need it on the schedule that I'm going to have to change my routine. <laughs> we just like, ain't say that's what I think that's why I failed as a homeschooling teacher because I'm like, we just shoot from the hip. Okay, you want to do math? We'll do math today. Like, I, I'm not routine. I'm not a routine person. Hence why I normally record, like, Monday night or Tuesday morning. And here we are on a Friday recording this for Tuesday. So, it, it's working. It's working out for us. So, you're a homeschool teacher. And so, you're teaching your children everything like that. You're doing the ministry work. At what point did... I just... I kind of want to revisit the foster thing. At what point... Was it where you felt, okay, I think we need to get into foster care? I know you said that at Cathedral, they kind of laid that little seed in your heart. So when did it really just kind of sprout? Well, Rob and I, when we when we got married, um, he said that we said we wanted two kids. <laughs> he said he wanted two kids. I said I wanted more. But um, we've always said that after we had our two kids that we would either adopt or foster. We didn't know which one. And um, Kristen Jones actually started fostering. And, like, I just was like, oh, my God. And I would just watch her on Facebook and Instagram. And I would just see it. And, like, it was, like, through her that God was like, look, look at this. And, you know, this is what I've called my people to do. And so I just told Robbie one day, like, we kept saying we were going to do it. We were going to do it. We were going to do it. And there was never a quote-unquote perfect time. It was, when, well, when the kids get here or when the kids get to this age or when the, when this happens or this happens. And it was always something that needed to happen. Yes, yes. So something always needed to happen. And finally, I just told Robbie, I'm like, we're fostering, yes. And he's like, yeah, you know, you know, we're, go we're going to. I'm like, I'm calling and seeing when they got an open schedule. So I called, and they had, like, and she was like, oh, well, in two weeks we start our classes. I'm like put us down we'll be there and so it was just like oh and then I remember just praying to the Lord <laughs> I was like God like Robbie's like we just want to make sure it's the Lord's timing and all this and I'm like because you, you know you say all those Christian yeah. terms so, you know pray about it you yeah. pray about it first right, right, right. and so I I told Rob I'm like I'm gonna pray about it and like the first prayer that I prayed I was like God I was like you know is this something that you want us to do and it was almost like he said verbatim he's like I already told you what you were gonna do don't he though girl <laughs> yes and it's like we already know what we're yes. supposed to do 
I'm the same way. I'll be praying all the time. I, I'm kind of like Robbie, though. I'm like, God, did you really say that? Like, God, show me a sign. Like, I'm like, Gideon, let's th- throw the fleece out three times and let's yeah. see. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm horrible about that. But so you, so how long did the, the classes take before you got your first, or how long was it before you got your first placement? Okay, so um, you do 12 weeks of classes, and um, then you have to get, like, you have to get three home inspections. Now, is this the same in every county, or is this just in... This is in Baldwin County, and I talked a lot with Annette Andrews, and she was like, yes, that's what we had to do. This is what we had to do. And so um, we we did all the protocols that um, DH, and we went through DHR. Some churches are certified to do it. Uh, we actually went through DHR. And so we did all the steps, got all the things. We were certified in March, got our first placement within two weeks. It was just a respite, um, but he was a three-week respite so we did three weeks with one uh a week after he left our home we got another call for um a week-long respite until they could find a permanent placement for him uh there's actually two brothers and um so we did that and then three weeks after these guys left our home uh the very first of june um we got our two-year-old um and we've had him since june and we will probably have him until around february so it moves quick. It moves real fast. Well, call, but the, the need is, is... They call every... They call... In one week, I will probably get three calls to four calls um, from DHR. And it's ranging from ages 14 to nine months old, um, from brother-sister sets to single to um, kids who have been sexually abused, drug abused, um, coming off drugs. I mean, just you never know what you're going to walk into. So you just love them. It's just a beautiful picture of Christ to me, like God, like Christ, who was God Himself in the flesh, perfect as can be. He doesn't go into you know the high society where the where you know the fanciest people are, where you know they have everything they need. They're not struggling with anything. Like He doesn't go in there and say, "Okay, now I want you to lead my church." Like that, it has to be people. And I'm not saying that He doesn't go into high society because He absolutely does. But it, they have to be of a a broken heart. And that's exactly what these babies are. Like, a, a healthy person doesn't need a physician. Sick people do. And, and God's the good physician. <laughs> or the, the great physician. So, with the foster care, what kind of emotions go into that? Because you're loving these children. And, I mean, you've, you've loved four boys already since March. It's hard. It really is hard. Um, and at first, I guarded my heart really tightly. And I only allowed um, so much of me to be given because especially when I knew they had a time frame, um, which was a disservice to these kids. And I, I mean, obviously, I wasn't mean or hateful, uh, none of that. But I mean, you do the loves and you do the cuddles, but there is still that that wall, that wall there because you know they're going back. Um, which is, is ho- so hard for me to break down just because I, I'm so easy to put up walls. Um, but with this little, the little two-year-old I have now, I mean, we've had him for, what, five, six months now. I mean, how do you not love a two-year-old that just walks up to you okay. and throws those hands? And let me just say this. <laughs> your little two-year-old yeah. is fresh. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm I'm tempted to trade out Margo. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, I'll keep moking. But, but for real, though, like, he, oh, but you've had had them before where they they weren't, you know, like for the ones who aren't that easy to love. Yeah. And actually, this is going to sound really crazy, but 
the bad ones I love more. <laughs> but as a teacher, it was the bad kid that was always my favorite because I wanted to get that breakthrough. If you were a great kid and you did it without even me pushing, you know, I could give you your directions and, you know, you would do it. It's the ones that I had to stay on top of that you kind of built this bond with. It's like, okay, let me get you to trust me enough to pour into you. And so it was the bad one that I was like, I mean, I wanted, I was like, oh my God, you got to go. But then there was a second, like there was like this moments in there where you were like, you could just see the hurt. The reason, like the reason he, this one was so hard is because he had always been abandoned. He's always been abandoned. And, um, after that case, that is when me and my, my kids, we were riding one morning and they were talking about this one little boy in particular. And he, I mean, he was, he was hard. And, um, Kara goes, well, I'm just not going to talk about him no more. And I said, Kara, that's not what we need to do. I was like, let's make a pack that every day we're going to pray for this person and this person and this person. So every kid that comes in our home, we make a pack that we're going to pray for them because um, we may be the only ones that ever pray for them. We may be. We may not be. They may go into great homes where, you know, people are praying for them all the time. They may not. I know right now the one particular boy I'm talking about, he, he ended up in a group home. And... Um, I don't know what they do in that group home. So our family uh, has made a pact just to pray for those kids every single day. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Well, what um, I had a thought, I had a question, and it's left me just that fast. Oh, do you know your Enneagram number? Oh, yes. What was I? Um, oh. Don't say it. Let me guess. Were you the challenger? Because, like, with you saying, like, then you do jits. Like, I just think of all the things you do, and I'm like, you like challenge. Like, you like to go out and conquer things. Like, you like a good challenge. I have my Enneagram number. Of course, you don't have internet out here. So, I, I text. I want to say I am three, maybe. I may be wrong. A three? I'm a four with a three wing. Yes, I am a three. Right there. Huh. I'm a three, very much. That's the perfectionist. I am a perfectionist. I, 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 I am a perfectionist. It, it is to, me to a T, which is a flaw. <laughs> that ain't a flaw. That's all right. That's all, I love you, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Gosh, really? I really would have thought that you, hmm. Hmm. I think, I think three is the perfectionist. It is. Is it? Yes. It is? Okay. I know four is the individualist. That's me. I'm a four. I'm a four with a three wing because I do have moments like, like I'm I like I can do the feelings like I will feel all the feelings. We can get into deep, like I like to get deep with conversation. Like we can go as deep as you want to go, but then my three wing starts showing up whenever I start like accomplishing things. I can't just sit and just go enjoy. Like okay, I've accomplished this. Like this is good. No, I'm like all right, let's do what's next. Okay, let's go ahead, let's move forward. So, um, with all that said. Um, we're coming into the end. The name of the show is Confiding Confidently. You forget. She goes, oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> so tell me, is there anything that you want to, that you can con- confidently confide with us today? I forgot about this part. <laughs> like, I totally forgot about this part. Oh, well, let me, okay, so let me explain to the listeners why you, okay. So, hear this, ladies. I went down, it was, what, about a month ago? I went down to Foley, went to Emily's house, drank coffee on her back porch with her, recorded an entire, or, hold on, we talked for an entire hour thinking we had done recorded the message. <laughs> 
And after I was like, all right, that's it. That's good. That's done. So we closed it out, y'all. And I checked my phone and it only recorded like the first two minutes. A whole hour, a whole episode was gone. So, this is why she's saying, oh, so, yeah, we had a little bit of practice with this. <laughs> but it's all true. Like, it's not anything. Because we really did. We forgot our questions. And we just checked over them real quick before we started. But is there anything you want to confidently confide with us? I would. I'm, I'm still going to pull from what I did last time. And um, just tell that... Um, even like, I know Stephanie says I'm Proverbs 31, and I am far, <laughs> far from her. Don't put that title on me. Is that what you're saying? Don't put that label on me, girl. No, at all, at all, because um, I am honestly just coming out of a season where I am feeling like I have not even heard the Lord, and I'm going, where are you? And um, I feel like he is so distant, and I have to tell myself feelings aren't facts all the time and show I so I keep showing up at my little brown table with my Bible and coffee every morning and praying to what I feel like is a brick wall but having to know that my feelings aren't facts and that I know that he is hearing me and um so if any of the ladies <laughs> are going through just that dry spell just sh- keep showing up me I you speaking into me right now <laughs> so you say okay so for our listeners what uh, you said you feel like you haven't heard from him. What, how does God speak to you? Like, how do you, like, how do you hear him? You know, for some people, it's, you know, just a, a gut feeling. For some, you know, they feel like they really do hear him. You know, other, like, what is it for you? Like, how do you go, okay, that's from God? Mine is normally a thought that crosses my mind. And if I have to argue that thought, <laughs> because if it's me, I would want to do it, correct? If it's, a, if this is an Emily thought, then I'm not going to argue with Emily. It would have to be something greater in me that I would argue with. So if I, one, if I argue the thought, two, if it's something that is way wiser than me, <laughs> that Emily would have never thought of and like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good connection. <laughs> Most of the time, if it's a very smart, good connection thought, it's the Lord. <laughs> so I, I base it off those two things and does it line up with scripture? If what I, if, if a connection that I make, if I'm reading scripture and it, I feel like the Lord has said something to me in scripture, um, then I check it. With scripture, yeah. I look it up. I even use Google. Yeah. yeah, I'll use Google and concordances and my my Bible and things that I know, and I'll check it with scripture. And man, it's so much fun when you see it lining up and you go, "Oh, you good God is like you wrote this or something." Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> so that's what I use. Yeah. Um, well, Emily, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out and, and I know you didn't come up just for me, but taking time out of your visit to come and visit with me and and record this podcast. And so I'm super excited about sharing with Lee. So once again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. Yes. All right. We'll see y'all next time, lady. All right, ladies, see y'all back next week for more comforting and convicting truths. If you haven't, go over to Facebook and give Confiding Confidently a like and a follow for never-before-seen memes and articles. If anything inspires or encourages, comforts or convicts you, share it. Love y'all. Until next time.